Coffee Show. I'm Cruz McCalligan with you today until three o'clock. And right now we are chatting to Vance Lee. Now, Vance is the associate principal bassoon with the Hong Kong Philharmonic Orchestra. And it's quite an exciting time because he is celebrating 20 years, 20 years with the Hong Kong Philharmonic Orchestra. Hello, Vance. Good afternoon. Thank you Hi, for joining Cruz. us. Thanks for having me on. So associate principal bassoon. You don't say you're a bassoonist. I do say I'm a bassoonist. So so what does associate principal bassoon mean? The orchestra has four bassoon players and I'm one of them and uh, depending on what the demands uh, of the piece sometimes there's one two three or four bassoons we uh, oh right okay and then and then it's like it's like is it like a an experience if you're the the lead bassoonist you get to take the the, the starring roles in a piece of music or at times yes oh that's exciting great and so and so the associate principal bassoon is where in the hierarchy do you fit i think right now it's number three number three okay wow <laughs> that's amazing um and okay i want to know why the bassoon well, it was a, a, a product of coming from a school that had a great classical music program. We had a full orchestra at the high school level. And uh, the, every young orchestra needs bassoon players, much like they need French horn players or harp players. So it was a in-demand instrument. And at 15, I decided I really wanted to become a classical musician. Wow. And they put a bassoon in my hands, and I fell in love with it from oh the first Oh, my goodness. Moment. And what was it? What was it that, you know, that set the stars alight? It was just <laughs> cool. Yeah. And so can you describe can describe the, the bassoon? So that's, it's, okay, I'm going to show my ignorance. It's a reeded instrument, right? You, it has a reed? It doesn't have a reed. It has a double reed. It has a double reed. Okay. And uh, it's, uh, it's like a wooden saxophone. Right. The range is uh, the same as a cello or a tenor sax, and um, it's one of the oldest woodwind instruments. Wow. And it appears in classical music from a very early time. Uh, Where is it originally from? Like, what, what country it, did it come it, from? Well, there's a couple of sources. Uh, one of its um, ancestors is the Dulcian these uh, internal reed wind boxes that you'd blow into and that were very loud. I think there are some Chinese instruments that are very similar where you had these two elements vibrating inside this chamber. Wow. And um, at some point, uh, you could almost say the serpent, which was an ancient instrument, is also just kind of a long wooden tube mm. making very low fundamental notes. And uh, the bassoon is a product of that. It went through an incredible... Um, Genesis in the early 1800s, this bassoon maker Heckel uh, decided to really get nitty gritty and refine the instrument. And he currently, this family has been running this, the Heckel manufacturer of bassoons for generations. And they are the Stradivarius, if you will, of the bassoons. Basically, every professional bassoonist on the planet probably plays a Heckel. Or there's a very good reason they do not. Wow. And is it something, have you ever been to see the Heckle factory? Has it, has it been like a professional pilgrimage in your life that you've got it, to it see? It is a them? journey to Mecca I have yet to make. <laughs> oh, amazing. And so is it um, like when you, so you started playing the bassoon when you were 15? Yes. 15. And like, is that, because I mean, I played the clarinet when I was about 15 and I did so very enthusiastically and then I got braces and I couldn't quite play it anymore. But you know, did you do you soloist? 
do you hang out in your bedroom as a 15 year old rocking out on your bassoon is it that kind of an instrument or? totally totally oh, amazing it, it's one of these things uh when i was 15 I, I'm sure I was playing six, seven hours a day. Wow. I'd wake up before school, I'd be playing in school, and I'd go home and uh, play all the time to the point where my parents were like, okay, that's enough. You need to oh stop making gosh. so much noise. Oh, my gosh. You really noise. fell in love hard, hey? Yeah. And uh, so, for example, I had great teachers also, and they um, had all the time in the world for me. Um, my bassoon teacher, it was never just a one-hour lesson. Mm. I could stay three or four hours. Like. He'd have to kick me out or something like that. I had questions, or if I couldn't get something, I would just sit there and and drill something, or uh, uh, over and over and over again. I just couldn't get enough. And what drove, you know, we're talking a lot about the bassoon, but I think what made classical music, um, when I really knew it was my passion, it was uh, falling in love with the music. Mm. I would listen to all four Brahms symphonies. I would listen to all nine Beethoven symphonies, and this this set. The target like you need to get good enough to get into an orchestra how are you going to get into an orchestra well you have to win an audition how do you win an audition you figure out how to play the bassoon to win an audition so oh my gosh so that was my next question so you you fall in love with the bassoon and then what happens you go to you go to university to study classical music you yeah i studied in at the cleveland institute of music and i studied with my musical mentor he at that time was principal bassoon of the Cleveland Orchestra and I had this benefit of having I was one of his first students he was kind of a, a young protege if you will mm. and I my freshman year at the Cleveland Institute of Music I was his only student so basically he had the Cleveland Orchestra schedule and then teaching me and that was basically it and wow. I went from high school having three four-hour lessons to I mean, we just hang out all the time, you know, Gosh. and he just imparted so much and inspired me so much. And then, so the benefit of studying with a teacher that, you know, the Cleveland, or season, Cleveland Orchestra season would start and they would play three subscription concerts every week. So uh, that what that means is they play one program three times, three nights in a row. And wow. then the next week, a different program, three nights in a row. So just to compare it to the Hong Kong Phil, our market, uh, we uh, kind of demands two concerts a week. So our my 20th season just started last week, and we played a concert Friday and Saturday night. Yeah. And tomorrow we begin rehearsal on a different program, and we'll perform it Friday and Saturday night. And this goes on for, it kind of runs the academic uh, school year so we go straight till next summer gosh so it's really that it's you're having to learn well not learn new pieces of music but rehearse new pieces of music every week absolutely oh. and after 20 years you know it continues to be fresh and just going back to the cleveland orchestra yeah part of my education was definitely going to concerts and hearing them perform live in incredible symphony hall severance hall even before it was renovated in the 90s was an incredible hall and uh, just to be in there, uh, we talked about a journey to Mecca, to the Heckel Manufacturer. Yeah. Uh, a great concert hall is very much that. It has history. It has a particular sound that is... Um, they're all they're all unique yeah oh i can imagine i think that's something you have to say for classical music is that experiencing it live is a completely different experience than to listening to a cd in your car or in your home Absolutely. unless you have a concert hall in your home yeah but, um, and it, you become really uh passionate and uh addicted to wanting to get on stage and have the lights 
on you. Yeah. Because, I mean, just, just saying this and you're still lighting up. So after 20 years, you've still got that, that it still feels magical, right? You're talking about what you do as an, you know, as a professional musician. And it's so interesting. I'm really curious to know what the dynamics of an orchestra are like. Like, you know, do most people share your passion in an orchestra? Do you have, I mean, all of our officers have the bitter guy who doesn't want to be there and kind of does his job through gritted teeth. But, you know, is it something that, you know, people share this or is it a bassoonist trait? A bassoonist, just these really optimistic people? Well, I definitely think the Hong Kong feel is unique in that we have an incredible camaraderie and relationship. Just for example, I have a young family um, and there are many young families in the orchestra and when the kids went through, uh, you know, milk formula <laughs> time, there was quite a, a lot of advice that was shared and uh, I, for one, being a very hands-on dad, benefited from all the support I was getting from my colleagues at work. In addition, when you go on tour, when you are a team for so long, you really get to know them on stage and off the stage. You get to know their playing. You get to know their, um, you know, everyone has the challenges in mm. life. And uh, it's great to have them for me, be there for me. And I hope I'm there for them. Oh, that's wonderful. And so in your own family, so anyone else in your family love the bassoon? Uh yeah, I think so. <laughs> do do <laughs> you play do you play at home very often? Uh yes, I do. Yeah. And so your kids enjoy it or they kind of think yeah, dad they, that's enough bassooning or <laughs> Yeah, they do. Um my older boy would listen to me play and um I would ask him, "Hey, what does the bassoon sound like?" And his impression of the bassoon is the best thing. And uh, <laughs> we'll get him into studio next time, and he can do it for you. Oh gosh! And so, um, how many bassoons have you had in your life? Like, it's it's because a, a a good instrument is a solid investment, right? And you get to know it and all of its little quirks and idiosyncrasies and little bits and you know. Yeah. How many have you kind of gone through in, I've in a twenty years? Heckles. Three heckles. Yeah, and they go by the serial only number. Three, so only three. Only three. Only three. I played a, a twelve five two five from nineteen eighty eight to ninety nine. In ninety nine, I got a, a heckle serial number nine three three nine. Gosh, and it's like car license plate exactly. numbers or something. Well, yeah, you know, you you just mentioned that, and uh, the the bassoon I play now. Uh, is a modern instrument and it's 15448. Right. So um, yeah. there's this whole thing I mentioned that they're the kind of Stradivarius or the premium brand for heckles. If you order one now, I believe the waiting list is about 10 years. Really? When I ordered it in 2005, I waited. Uh, they said that it would take two years and it took four. My goodness. Yeah. So they. Uh, the story goes there's about six workmen there and they crank out bassoons at whatever pace they want to crank out bassoons. Oh, well, see, I love that, though. I love that image that there's still this group of people who are so spe specialized in a craft, like making a bassoon with their bare hands, that that's still a skill that they're, they're doing like that. It kind of actually warms my heart to think that that's something that hasn't been automated yet, maybe. Um, and see if I don't know. Is it? One, I don't think you're in, in worried about a robot taking your job, are you? <laughs> a robot taking the, Not the job all. of a classical musician. Not at all. <laughs> That's pretty good. And so I, I want to know a little bit more about why you chose the Hong Kong Philharmonic. So is that the only orchestra you've 
you've uh, you've performed with as, in your career? I mean, in terms of you know contract and everything else. No, my first job was playing in an orchestra in Hartford, Connecticut, mm. and uh, for um, gee, that was uh, from '93 to 2000, and uh, it was a uh, it was sort of my time in my life where I got to experience the East Coast of America, mm. and um, Hartford is almost smack in the middle between New, uh, New York City and Boston. And I would frequent those cities all the time. And Wow, fun yeah, place to be. Yeah, I yeah. had friends in both cities, and um, there was so much culture going on. And Hartford also has a lot of culture, and it was uh, great to be a part of that community. Yeah, sure. And then so, and so you're in Hartford, and then how do you make the jump to thinking about Well, Hong you know, um, orchestra's uh, personnel is similar uh, to a faculty position, I would think. Okay, sure. At a school, university, if you will. And when a position opens up, I think most people in the industry, uh, you know, you hear it through the grapevine, right. their industry uh, want ads, and so you find out there's a position. Mm. And, you know, every year, they're, they're only a handful every year and so it can be very competitive yeah um, um, but again I think I've been since I was 15 my purpose was to win an audition and get yeah. into an orchestra so, that, so that drove me for a long time and so what is an audition like how many have you done in your life because I can <clears throat> imagine that being pretty terrifying and who's conducting the audition what <clears throat> happens in one yeah well it's a lot like an Olympic dive you train, you train, you train, you train to execute one specific action. And it's very almost artificial because mm. what they ask you to do is play some solo from a symphony. So it's all, you're all by yourself on stage, which is, which is not in no, performance not what happens. Yeah, sure, yeah. sure. And um, you kind of come in and you, you do a triple somersault, you know, <laughs> and make no splash. And you get out of the pool and then someone does the exact same thing right after you and all these judges just say well I like this one better than that one or gosh or and not it's just it's just that fine yeah fine so difference. you prepare and um, you know you gain experience and and is it all on technical skill does your personality count for anything do they do they think <coughs> about you know if you're the kind of person you are whether you're going to be a good mix a good part of the orchestra or not those are big factors, absolutely. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, I I make a sports analogy, but at the end of the day, we are trying to bring to life masterworks, mm. symphonies of Beethoven. And uh, these are things that are really challenging for professionals. And after years of doing it, it's still uh, nothing is automatic. Yeah. You know, you bring to it your experience but um you know when an eight o'clock concert starts you now have to deliver yeah and it is never about just perfection on a technical level there's so much more expression and that's the great thing dealing with these masterworks because the depth is there and it's something you keep coming back to, right? You always Absolutely. explore something new every time. You always learn something new. And how does it feel? How does it? Do you still get nervous before every performance? Yeah, there are times where, the uh, for that performance or that week, I should say, something different is being asked by uh, the conductor or in the section, and we're trying to do something. So the plan has a slight variance, a slight challenge. 
And so you're nervous because, okay, now we're going to do it this way. Instead of a triple somersault, we're going to do a three and a half somersault. So you're always a little nervous. Like you, you did it a sure, thousand times sure, before. Sure. But, and now they ask yeah. you to, to, to change it up a little bit. Exactly. So, yeah, you get nervous. And it's a, it's a good thing to be nervous because it shows you care. Yeah. And, and you never bought. Have you ever been bored? I mean, you're going back. I mean, I'm assuming you're rehearsing in the same place every week that you have been for 20 years. Does it change? Does it? I, I, I there's elements of routine. Yeah. But it's uh, not. It's not. But uh, believe me, I have very little to complain about. Yeah. It sounds amazing. Um, it's and it's all worth it to um, to be able to perform. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the thing. I always knew I wanted, you know, one week Beethoven, one week Brahms, one week Mahler, one week Shostakovich, what, you know, and that's what getting into professional orchestra um, uh, allows me. And I count my lucky stars. Yeah, that's amazing. And and do you talk to the next generation? Because that's what I, I mean, I'm not, I've, I, that ship has sailed for me. I will never be a professional musician, but I do, um, I, 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 I have to believe that there's still this group of young people out there who are, have that same passion that you said you had at 15 when you discovered the bassoon. Do you come yeah, across them I, here? Or? I, absolutely, absolutely. Mm. And I think some people, you can just see that they have they're going to do whatever it takes mm. that they have this a similar passion a similar stubbornness um to just get it right whatever that you know what if you can play whatever instrument you want um they're all going to be challenging at some level um it's important to have good mentors and teachers and a solid technical foundation but the music i mean it if you want to be part of that world and it doesn't even have to be classical music if something pushes you to want to be a performer, I think it's. I think you're kind of born with it. Yeah. But I will. I will say that there's a whole. You you mentioned younger generation. Mm. There's so many ways to enjoy music without playing an instrument. You know, a Absolutely, lot of our yeah. fan base, a lot of our subscribers, a lot of passionate music lovers I've met around the world. They don't play at all, and they don't. You know that it's almost. Like, why would you go to a three-star Michelin chef if you could cook like that? That's a good point. So who, <laughs> That's who a really cooks good analogy. Like that, you know? That's a um, fantastic analogy. Why are you paying so much, mm. you know, for this craft and this expertise? Well, because you can't do it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that's okay. You yeah, know? that's. I think that's a wonderful. That's a wonderful concept. And so, if someone is, because I mean, I think that for for maybe people who aren't, because there is a very strong community of people who appreciate classical music, and like you said, they they know the schedules, they know the performances, they have them, you know, marked in their diaries. They know, you know, all of these things. But for people who would still may still enjoy it, but don't know how to take the plunge into entering that world, because I guess like anything that's quite different from day to day it can seem a bit intimidating how do you suddenly just go and be like i'm going to go along and appreciate classical music by the philharmonic orchestra today um what's some advice you could give people to how they can start dipping their toe you know how can they be an active listener and start getting involved well i think um the sooner you just try to listen to anything for even a little bit you know most symphonies are about half an hour long just listen to five minutes of it and mm -hmm. just to um, get a feel for what kind of world it brings you into and what it makes you think about. And uh, I was talking about this. I think about this a lot, actually. Um, and I guess it would fall under audience development sort of strategies. But um, some of my friends that I hang out with 
say, oh, classical music, man, it just puts me right to sleep. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> yeah, well, but that's, that is, I don't know if that's more offensive than when someone says, oh, I love classical music. Every time I study, I had it on. I'd have it on all the time. Oh, hours. sure, sure. So now like, this the is the only way who, you can listen to it is yeah, if you're, yeah. Exactly. It it takes your mind off of things <laughs> by being white noise right, while you think right. about calculus or something. Yeah. And to me, that is not quite getting it. Mm. And yet, you know, use it however you want to use it. That was created um, for our enjoyment or they were, or, or the composer was trying to tell us something or, you know, it, it was, it's there for so many reasons yeah. and we perform it for so many different reasons, you know. Uh, in a live concert, I like to think that there's one person out there who's never heard what we're playing. And so you kind of play for their ears. Oh, amazing. So like, yeah, you know. it's a wonderful way of thinking about it. And I think it also, it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter if you don't know who it is, what, who composed the piece you're listening to. It doesn't matter if you don't have the university degree to identify every single thing. It's just about being present and having an experience for some as well. Not, you know, I, I liken it to looking at a sculpture. You know, a sculpture is going to sit out in a park for generations. Mm. And every time you go to that park, you're going to change. You're going to be in your 20s. You're going to be in your 30s. You're going to be in your 40s. You're going to come back as a grandparent. That statue has always been there. What does it mean meant to you as you've changed? Well, Beethoven's Fifth Symphony is very much like that. To a young teenage aspiring instrumentalist, it's like this world. It's so awesome and cultured and you know every mm. time i see it i'm inspired and at 25 i'm like wow this is really challenging how do you get it done yeah. at 35 you feel like yeah you learn some ropes and then you start hearing things that you never heard before because uh, you're a bit myopic mm. uh, I, I know i was you know and you're always trying to like get the forest for the trees and uh by the time you're in your 40s and I can't even imagine in your 50s and 60s, but uh, there's a reason why uh, there are so many um, levels to classical music mm. and why it's so and long. And why they endure yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Vance, that was absolutely fantastic. Thank you very much. I'm feeling very inspired now.